This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 296, and tonight, things did not go according to plan this week. So we had to scrap my Super Psycho Sweet 16 with the boys from Death Drop Gorgeous. And instead, we're going with another old-time radio program this Time, we're once again listening to an episode of Suspense, an episode called Fugue in C Minor. And it has the additional bonus of starring the legendary, and now recently discovered totally bisexual, beloved superstar, Mr. Vincent Price, and the woman who was featured a couple months ago in our Women in Horror segment, Miss Ida Lupino. But before we go any further, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and I am your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies, except you have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. Now, I've decided that we are going to get into what happened with this episode. What happened that we're not covering my Super Psycho Sweet 16? What happened that we are not covering my Super Psycho Sweet 16? We're going to talk about that after we listen to the old-time radio show, okay? Because we got to have a little talk. But that'll be then, that'll be then, because this is now, right now. That'll be then, right then, but this is now, right now. So a few things happened this week. First of all, it is the 123rd anniversary of the publication of Dracula, the novel by Bram Stoker, that hot, sexy, allegedly bisexual bear, Bram Stoker. And so to celebrate that... We are going to have, on this Saturday, we're going to have a Blood Sucky Saturday double feature. Ah, 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 ah. What does that mean? Well, we're going to be screening two quasi-Dracula-related movies. Because I need to watch some comedies right now. So, what we're going to do, we're going to watch Mad Monster Party from 1967, I think. That is a claymation movie that starred Phyllis Diller and Boris Karloff and it features all the Universal Monsters but not really they're knockoffs with the Universal Monsters but they're all having an adventure and in fact they're having a mad monster party it's all very silly and very camp and it'll be great that starts at 3 p.m. and then at 4 45 p.m. we're gonna go disco dancing disco dancing with Dracula disco Dracula yeah we're gonna watch Love at First Bite starring George Hamilton from the fabulous year of 1978, the movie that brought I love the novel, I love the book, I love the disco round. Yeah, that put that on my gay little radar that I didn't even know I had. Remember, they took me to see that movie when I was eight years old. And that's all going to be happening on the cast app. And what you need to do to join that party, you need to use the URL bit.ly slash sqsocial. Bit.ly slash sqsocial. That's sq. Social, like an ice cream social, but with an SQ. It's an SQ social, not an ice cream social. Shut up, work with me. And man, I wish you guys were there last Saturday. If you weren't there last Saturday, oh boy, did you miss out. What an unexpected surprise happened. As I mentioned here, we were going to be doing a screening of the two movies that we did in the past two episodes, which were Shock Value and Fido. So I posted everywhere on the social media, and the regulars showed up. And unbeknownst to me, some of the people from the cast of Shock Value saw my post on Instagram told everybody else involved 
in shock value, and they all crashed the party. Yeah, almost the entire cast, the director, the special effects guy, a whole bunch of people from the crew, they all had this mini reunion in my little screening room, and they were just like having a great time and partying and doing commentary through the film and giving this great insight. It was fantastic. And they played along with everything. They were eating up the cartoons. They all sang along with the karaoke. The song, of course, was Psycho Killer by the Talking Hands. You know, I do make it do karaoke because it is a gay podcast. And a bunch of them sent me videos of them singing along on Instagram. And it was great. And you missed it if you were there. Damn it, I wish you were there. Who knows? Maybe Phyllis Diller would show up this week. You'd never know. Well, maybe George Hamilton will show up and Susan St. James. That's more likely than Phyllis Diller because she, 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 she's not likely to show is what I'm trying to say. Again, that's bit.ly slash SQSocial starting at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be there or miss out on the pate. The other thing that happened this week, we had a whole bunch of birthdays. No, not mine. I'm letting that go. I'm letting that go. No, we had three horror legends all have a birthday on the same day. We had Vincent Price. We had Peter Cushing. And we all had Christopher Lee all born on May 27th. How weird is that? And then we got the news that Vincent Price is also was also bisexual. What? I love the fact that the king of horror movies... That I cut my teeth on that so much. The, the man who defined what horror movies were for decades was one of us kids. How's that for representation? How's that for making horror queer? Yahoo, Vincent, girl, get it. No wonder he did that hairdresser in Theater of Blood so well. Hello, I'm Butch. Dishy, dishy hair. Can't wait to get my hands in. I can't even do that as well as he did. But unfortunately, I could not find a radio program that all three of them did together. I found radio programs that they all did individually. And I just figured, hey... If we've got one with Vincent Price and Ida Lupino, who we just featured in February in the Women in Horror Month for being the groundbreaker that she was, this unsung groundbreaker in Hollywood, kicking ass, taking names, and not really making an ego trip out of it either. And oh boy, it's just a great story. Like usually these, these, these old-time radio shows, like, ooh, that was pretty good, yeah. But they're always a little bit hammy, a little bit corny. You've got two Hollywood powerhouses at the top of their game selling the hell out of this dialogue. The voice work is just lush and gorgeous and the characters are so bright and the story is creepy as fuck. It's called uh, Fugue in C Minor, as I said earlier. It's written by the same woman, Lucille Fletcher, I believe her name was, who wrote Sorry, Wrong Number, another great radio play, starring famous Hollywood lesbian Agnes Moorhead, otherwise known as Endora, from Bewitched, but we already did that one ages ago. So, yeah, it's all set at the turn of the century, 1900s, late Victorian period, and it's got everything. It's got a little bit of ghost story. It's got a little bit of murder mystery. It's got a little bit of revenge. It's got creepy kids. It's got this bombastic organ music that just shakes the rafters. You're going to love it. So, Patrick, why don't you stop talking about it? And why don't we all just settle down, turn up our radio dials, turn down the lights, and get ready for Suspense. Roma Wines presents Suspense. The Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California welcomes you again to this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight from Hollywood, Roma Wines bring you as stars Miss Ida Lupino, currently being seen in Warner Brothers' In Our Time. And Mr. Vincent Price of 20th Century Fox, soon to be seen in the Daryl F. Zanuck production, Wilson. For the appearance of these two distinguished screen personalities, Lucille Fletcher has written a suspense play that deals with brooding anxiety 
and sharpening suspicion played against the severe and forbidding background of the late Victorian era. And so with Fugue in C minor and with the performances of Ida Lupino and Vincent Price, we again hope to keep you in... Suspense! Dear Bessie, this is just to let you know that I arrived in Pilotsville. Lizzie met me at the station. She's heartbroken about Papa's bankruptcy and for some reason feels that it's up to me to remedy the family situation. I told her I'd been offered a job, but she swept away that idea in horror. A girl with your looks, Amanda Peabody, doesn't have to get a job. There are too many rich husbands floating around for that. Furthermore, she says she has a rich husband already picked out for me right here in Pilotsville. Don't you remember? I told you about him at Christmas time. He's a Mr. Evans, rich as Croesus, charming, cultured, a lonely widower with two dear little children. And besides that, he's just your type, a real intellectual. You should hear him play the pipe organ. And you know, Bessie, I've met so few interesting men lately. And all you'd have to do is lift your little finger. Mr. Evans. Oh, good evening, Mrs. Chumley. How delightful to see you here. I'd like you to meet my sister. Mr. Evans, my sister, Amanda Peabody. Delighted, I'm sure. It's a lovely party, Mr. Evans. Thank you, Miss Peabody. Have you just come to Pilotsville? Yes. She's down from New York visiting me after the whirl of the hectic social season. Oh, indeed. Well, I'm afraid our Pilotsville society must seem a bit dull to you, Miss Peabody. Oh, no, not at all. It's charming. I've enjoyed everything so much tonight. Your beautiful house, music. I hear you're going to play for us, Mr. Evans. Oh, a bit. Do you care for organ music, Miss Peabody? Oh, very much. I never miss a church recital. But what a luxury it must be to have your own pipe organ right here in the house... I'm afraid I couldn't do without it. It's my hobby, you know. Bach, Buxtehude, César Franck. Don't you adore their work? Oh, Amanda's very musical. You should hear her render the burning of Rome. <laughs> yes. And the delightful thing, of course, about having a pipe organ in the house is that it's everywhere. To sit at a keyboard and hear the walls, the ceilings, the floors vibrate. You see, Miss Peabody, I've had the pipes installed all over the house. Under this floor, for example, are all the choir stops. Up in the bedroom walls are the stops for the swell manual. In the great uh, 32-foot pedal stops, the giant diapasons are underneath the staircase. My children sleep next door to the echo chamber. <laughs> so, you see, we live like angels here in a paradise of music. How thrilling. Now, ladies, come upstairs to the second floor landing, won't you? And I'll show you the console. It was made for me in Vienna. And Bessie, dear, to tell you the truth, I really find him fascinating. I wish you could hear him play. It sweeps you off your feet. There is such wildness to it, and at the same time, such dignity. And to hear the sound all through that marvelous house, rolling through those gorgeous rooms with their beautiful tapestries and potted palms, 
I could sit and listen to him all night. You have the most amazing eyes, Miss Peabody. What are you thinking about? The music. Oh, please don't stop. It's so beautiful. Well, you seem to be as mad about music as I am. Your sister says you play too. Oh, no, only a little. My appreciation of it is all inside, I'm afraid. That's plenty. If one can't play, it's better just to enjoy the music of others. I can't bear this sentimental drumming, can you? I shouldn't think you would enjoy it. The idiotic tunes people play nowadays. Give me the old stern classics. They have strength and power. Give me something with life to it. Something that will flood the whole house with sound. very unusual girl, Miss Peabody. Quite unlike the run of girls here down here at Pilotsville. Yes, in what way? Oh, it's rather hard to explain. Uh, some more tea, Amanda. No, thank you. A muffin? No, thank you. You have an excellent cook, Mr. Evans. Please, please call me Theodore. You know, you promised. Theodore? Amanda. And your house is beautifully run, too. You must have an excellent housekeeper. Everything always looks so charming and quiet. I haven't even heard a peep out of your children. My children? Oh, yes, the children have been away at school. You have two, haven't you? Yes, Daphne and David. What sweet names. Ordinarily, I don't approve of schools for young children, but you see, they were rather overwrought. After Mrs. Evans passed on... I can well understand. They were almost morbidly devoted to their mother, and then, of course, the unfortunate circumstances of her death, but... (laughs) I suppose your sister, Mrs. Chumley, has told you all about that. No, not very much, except your wife was killed in a street accident, wasn't she? Yes, in Philadelphia, a brewery wagon and four horses ran her down. Oh, how terrible. It's something I don't like to think about very often. Poor, beautiful Margaret. Well, it's like a nightmare, Amanda, and I still can't feel reconciled, but... Well, what I was driving at was the children. They were in school when she died, and by some malicious stroke of fate, There was an epidemic of scarlet fever raging up there. The authorities wouldn't lift the quarantine and let them out for her funeral. Oh, poor little things. Yes, it upset them dreadfully. In fact, I sometimes fear it's left a mark on them which may endure all their lives. Why, what do you mean? They suffer from delusions. Delusions about her. They think that in some way she is linked. Her soul is imprisoned in the organ pipes. How horrible. I wish I could do something about it. It's a frightful notion, but they won't... They don't let me play when they're at home. That echo chamber in particular next door to their bedroom. Yes? You know, it's nothing but an empty sealed room with a few wires. Of course, it's all because they never saw her dead. But they have a notion that she's, well, somehow hidden there. How ghastly. They really think that, do they? Children can think up such very strange things in their little minds... Can't they? Tonight for suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as stars Miss Ida Lupino and Mr. Vincent Price, whom you have heard in the prologue to Fugue in C Minor. Tonight's tale of suspense. Now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Ida Lupino as Amanda Peabody and Vincent Price as Theodore Evans in Fugue in C Minor. A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense! 
I met the children today, Bessie, for the first time. It was a shock. They're strange little creatures, utterly unlike their father. The girl is about 11 and the boy 8. They were both dressed in deep mourning. Their large grey eyes seemed strained with terror. They listened and trembled at every sound. This is Miss Peabody, children. She's a very good friend of mine. Now I want you both to shake hands with her. Oh, come now, Daphne. You can at least tell Miss Peabody how old you are. Oh, no. Please don't press her. I know when I was a little girl, I hated people to talk about my age. I'd much rather hear about, well, about school. We're not going back there, no matter what anybody says. David. That's all right. Then you didn't like school. No. And Mommy didn't like it either. She cried when we went away. Oh. But your mama wanted you to be educated, didn't she? She wanted you to grow up and be intelligent people, didn't she? Well, didn't she, Daphne? Who are you? You may call me Aunt Amanda. I'm a friend of your papa's. Do you know where my mama is? Your mama? Well, your mama's in heaven, dear. No, she's not. Then where is she, dear? Please, please don't start them off, Amanda. It's too upsetting. Come along, children. Now we're going to have a little music, like old times. You remember when your mother was alive? We all used to play together. David, you with your cornet and Daphne at the violin, and Mama at the piano. Well, Miss Peabody plays the piano, too. She's promised to play Narcissus, Mama's favorite piece. Well? Well, perhaps some other time, Theodore, when they don't feel so strange. I tell you, I've humored them to death. Now, come, David. There's your cornet on the mantelpiece. And Daphne? No. I insist. Look, now, I'll start the melody on the organ. David, you come in with your cornet obligato in the third measure. Daphne, you can follow me. That funny noise. What note? Oh, oh, you mean that? Oh, that's just a cipher. A wire must have stuck somewhere. One of the pipe valves. It's Mama. That's where Mama is. She's calling for us. Oh, don't be silly. I'll just hit the key a few times and it'll stop. You've heard these ciphers before, haven't you, Miss Peabody? Well, I don't know much about pipe organs. It's a common technical occurrence, but very annoying, of course. What is she doing in there? Why doesn't it stop? That's where she is. She's in the pipe and she can't get out. Daphne, stop that nonsense. Oh, hush, dear. Your papa will fix it. No, he won't. He can't. She won't let him because he killed her. Daphne. Daphne, what did you say? She didn't mean it, I'm sure. The poor little thing's hysterical. We should never have tried to persuade them. Oh, man. Just because they never looked upon her face, because they never saw her lying there in the coffin. Hush, hush. My own children believe that I am a murderer. Theodore, you're making them both sick. So I, I who loved their mother so much, who was so devoted for 12 years, do I look like a murderer, Amanda? Do I? No. There it is again. It's Mama. It's Mama. Shh, dear. I'll take them upstairs for you, Theodore, while you try and fix it. April 24th. Oh, Bessie. Those poor little children. We took them out to the cemetery today to show them her grave. A marble angel guarded it. It was planted with pure white tulips. How final it was and peaceful. And yet they began to tremble again the moment we set foot inside the house. 
poor Theodore. The man is nearly out of his mind. What can he do? I keep asking myself that question. She died in Philadelphia, you say? Yes, on May 15th, just a little less than a year ago. You weren't with her? No, she went there to take a piano lesson. There was a new teacher she'd heard about. She was always so self-conscious about her technique. But she never reached his studio. They notified me at midnight from the city morgue. And no one in Philadelphia saw her? No one except the attendants at the morgue, of course, and the people who picked her up after the collision. It was such a brutal accident. There'd be no one from among them who could speak to the children, explain to them? Oh, no. Oh, it's so horrible, so sordid. Oh, I know, my dear. I hate to make you suffer. But if we could find some way, if they could just believe. When you brought her back here to Pilotsville, there was a funeral. Yes. And was there anybody then who saw her? Oh, no, I couldn't bear it, Amanda. I, I didn't think at the time she'd been so beautiful. Her lovely, sweet, gentle face and her eyes. The horses had completely trampled. Oh. Even if the children had been able to come home, I wouldn't have let them look... The coffin was sealed when I left Philadelphia. I didn't want to see her again myself. But there was a funeral. People came. There were flowers, an undertaker. Yes. Well, if they could believe that, if there was one witness, perhaps my own sister Lizzie. Of course there was a funeral. The finest funeral in town. A snow-white hearse and 25 coaches. Everybody sent flowers. The casket wasn't open, but I've been to lots of funerals where they don't open the casket. And from what I understand, she was pretty badly mangled. But it was a beautiful funeral. Mr. Evans played the organ himself. The finest selections. All the sweet old pieces his wife liked. There was Narcissus and Mighty Life of Rose and Goodbye Forever. So you see, David, my sister, Mrs. Chomley, was there. Yes, but how did she know it was Mama? Oh, David. Uh... She didn't see Mama, did she? Well, nobody saw your poor Mama, dear. She wouldn't have wanted anyone to see her. Mommy wasn't there. She talks to us every night. She tells us to look for her. Where, dear? In the pipes. But, David, your Mama's dead. She's been dead for nearly a year. Now, you she... saw her grave out in the cemetery... She's happy and at rest. Why doesn't Papa give us a key? If he'd only let us have it, we could look for her. What key, dear? The keys to the pipes. There's a little door just underneath the stairs. That's where they that's where the big pipes are. And inside it's all dark. But where are the but there are there are tunnels. There's a little room. A little on, room. Dear. That's where she's hiding. That's where Mommy is. That's oh. where Mommy is. Oh, David, darling, now look, come here. No, I hate you. But why do you hate me? Why don't you let me help you? Because... Because what? Because you... you like him. Him? Papa, you're going to marry him, aren't you? <laughs> yes, you are. Tafina says you are. You're going to marry him. Then he'll send us back to school. There'll be no one left to help Mama. Poor Mama will never be left out. Oh, I hate you, I hate you. David, what are you doing here? David, did you strike Miss Peabody? He's sick, Theodore. I'm sure he's very sick. Now go to your room at once. Oh, those 
dreadful children. I tell you, Amanda, they'll ruin whatever happiness we might have. Theodore, I love you very much. But I couldn't marry you. Not with that child's cry ringing in my head. We've got to help them. Give them that key. Let them go and look in the room where the pipes are. Then they'll see for themselves that there's no ghost. Key? Who told you about a key to that room? The children. The children? Amanda, I'm going to tell you something. Something I've never told to a living soul. It, it may frighten you. Yes. Margaret was going mad when she died. Oh. No one knew it but me. It ran in her family. I discovered it long after we were married, after the children were born. Otherwise, I'd never have... And now you think the children? I'm afraid so. It was peopling of sound she had, just like them, a fear of the dead's returning. She used to play... What's that? Sounds like the organ. But the motor isn't on. The console was locked when I left. Someone's trying to play. No one but me can touch that instrument. It's forbidden in this house and the servants are out. Unless those children... Come upstairs, Amanda. Theodore. Why, there's no one here. No one at the keyboard. The organ's playing itself. That's impossible. The motor's not going. The motor? Yes, it sets the bellows going. There's no air in the pipes unless it's on. No air to make the pipes speak. It's impossible, I tell you. Perhaps the children found the key and got in. Key? No, no, no. The key's here in my pocket. There's no other way in. No. Theodore, open that door. Go in there and see what's happening, please. No. Theodore. I won't give in. I I won't be a prey to it. Do you hear? I, I won't. I, I won't. I won't. Stop now. Yes. It was probably nothing but the wind. Theodore, give me the key. I'm not afraid. Are you saying that I am? I don't know. But I'll be fair with you, Theodore. I couldn't marry you and live here with that any more than your children can. What do you mean? Rip out those pipes. Rip out the whole pipe organ. Give it to a church, but don't keep it here. Get rid of it's the not pipe worth organ? It. Yes. But I couldn't. The whole house was built around it. It's been the very soul and spirit of this home. It's been the curse, you mean. Theodore, I know I'd go mad, too, if I had to listen to it night and day. It's so hollow. Think of those pipes so huge down there in the darkness. I'd begin to hear things, too. Oh, Theodore! Quiet. Be quiet. Come outside. We'll take a walk. No. No, give me the key. Give me the key. You're hysterical, Amanda. I'm sorry I've overburdened you. Why don't you want to go in there? Is it because you know something? You did something? What do you mean? Did you kill her? Very well, Amanda. Here's the key. If that's the way you trust me, we'll go down and look around together. Come now, Amanda. I'm sorry, Theodore. It slipped out. It was a dreadful thing to say. It's all right, I understand. Yet it hurts a little. I've trusted you so completely, Amanda. Theodore. Yes, Amanda. Let's not go in there. I do trust you, darling. I, I believe everything you've told me. No. This little key. To think it should mean so much. <sighs> black it is. Yes, pitch black. And cold. Where are the pipes? I can't see them. Come in further, Amanda. You'll see them as soon as your eyes grow accustomed to the darkness. The biggest pipes pack this well under the great staircase like giants. Oh, yes, I... I'm beginning to see them now. Shouldn't we go and get a candle? Oh, no, no. Go in a little further. Be careful. The floor is a maze of wires. Now stand there for a second. Theodore, don't leave me. I won't be long. I thought you said you weren't afraid. 
No, I'm not only... Where are you going? Just upstairs to play for you. Theodore! I'd like you to hear how the music sounds in the darkness. It's quite an experience being so close to the pipes. You know, narrow, suffocating, especially when I pay the great Passacaglia and Fugue of Bach. Oh, Theodore, please. I don't want to stay Perhaps here. Perhaps one of the Rheinberger symphonies or the great chorales of Cesar Frank. <laughs> Margaret, of course, preferred Narcissus. Margaret? Now, you're very gullible, Amanda. Then you did kill her. You killed her in this room. And you're going to kill me. Yes, yeah, simple, isn't it? But why? I don't why? know. One gets tired every now and then of mere music. Sometimes the classics demand competition. A scream, for example. There's something so exciting about pulling out all the stops and drowning out all human sound. Have you ever tried to match your voice, Miss Peabody, against the thunderous voice of Bach? It's most effective... And then when the struggle gets weaker, when the air is almost gone and you choke and gasp for breath to bring the music down, softer, softer. Theodore, you're mad, you're mad. Come, Amanda, would you deny me that pleasure? No, I Help. promise you the concert will be too long. It takes about eight hours before the air gives out. But you know, I could play for days. And don't worry about the children. I think you've convinced them about the ghost. What's that? Theodore! Someone shut the door. It's locked and the key's outside. Who's there? Let me out! Let me out! Theodore! Get away from me! Let me out, do you hear? Let me out! Let me out! I can't breathe! I'm suffocating! It's so dark, I can't breathe! Let me out, please! Please! I can't breathe! I can't... No! No, don't! I can't! I can't! Let, let me out! I can't breathe! <laughs> I shall be coming home in a few days, Bessie. I still can't sleep at night. I still hear that laughter. Still hear that cornet playing its unearthly music. And Theodore Evans once more lies dead at my feet. It was his heart, Bessie. He died of fright. In those few moments, he anticipated the hideous fate he had meted out to so many. And I might have died there if he had not gone so quickly. But the children hated me. They wanted to kill us both. Those terrible, pathetic children. What horrors they must have sensed in that charnel house. There were other women beside his wife. The police found them all buried and stuffed away into unused parts of the pipe organ. Bessie, I was in that pipe room alone with him for four hours before that door creaked open. There they stood, and I shall never forget their faces or the things they said. All right, Miss Peabody. You can come out now if you're really sorry. I'm sorry. Are you sure he's quite dead? Yes, he's dead. We were right all the time, weren't we, Miss Peabody? Yes, you were right. Now, will you come and help us find Mama? Mama? <laughs> 
so closes Fugue in C Minor, starring Miss Ida Lupino and Vincent Price. Tonight's tale of... Suspense! Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. This is Ida Lupino. Mr. Spear has just been telling me a little about next week's suspense show. The star will be Thomas Mitchell in the story about a man who had headaches, tried everything to cure them, finally went to a psychiatrist and found out that he was a murderer. That certainly sounds like a broadcast we listeners won't want to miss. One more word. Don't forget to buy that war bond this week. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Thomas Mitchell and Donald Crisp in... Suspense! Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. All right, my beautiful, beautiful screamers. I hope you enjoyed that little flashback to yesteryear to the Golden Age of Radio with an episode of Suspense. Ooh, spooky stuff, huh? Uh-huh. Never trust a man who's that obsessed with his own organ. Am I right, kids? Am I right? Of course, I'm right. Now, this is normally where I would start wrapping things up, but we need to have a little chat. Uh, it's a serious chat uh, about what's gone on this week and where I am right now and how it's going to affect the show going forward for the next unknown length of time. Let's just start by saying that it has been a week. It's been a very bad week, and everything's been crashing in on me, and, and, and it's bad here. And I've debated talking about this stuff because it's all very depressing. And I said when I first went into isolation to all of you here that I'm going to keep things positive. I'm going to be positive force during this crisis, but that's when I thought it was going to be two weeks or a month, but it keeps dragging on and on and on and on, and it's really getting to me being here in New York City by myself. And, you know, hopefully it's not as bad where you are as it is here. I mean, things are getting better, but it's still bad, but the walls are just closing in. Now that the warm weather is here, I just want to be anywhere else but my apartment, but there's nowhere to go. I don't have a car. I don't have a access to the subway. That's the least of my problems right now. But we're going to go a little memento with this. We're going to be like the movie Memento. We're going to start at the end and we're going to work backwards. I I told you we were going to be talking about my Super Psycho Sweet 16 this week with Brandon and Chris and Michael from Death Drop Gorgeous, which is that upcoming queer drag slasher that's hopefully coming out soon. But again, with this crisis, who the fuck knows? Not the point right now. I did a session with them yesterday and it was so good I was so happy and when I checked the files today I realized that I fucked up I made a rookie mistake I had the wrong mic turned on so instead of using this mic that I'm using right now it was all coming through the webcam and it all sounds terrible it's this wonderful session and it's a long funny insightful session and I can't use it because I fucked up because I'm fucked up right now. You guys know I said last week I can't sleep. My recurring nightmares, I have three recurring nightmares. You know, one about where I have to go back to high school for some weird reason. One where I'm always packing 
Like I, I'm going home on some, but have, it's a long journey to get home, and I have to pack this enormous amount of stuff. Like it's impossible, and I can never find the car, and it's just like all this frustrating stuff. And the other one is that I'm being stalked usually by my parents who have some kind of weapon, and they want to kill me. Now I'm having all three of those dreams combined into one gigantic mega nightmare. And you know, I love a good mashup, but this is fucked. So days are awful, nights are awful. I just want this to end, but there's no end in sight. And I fucked up. And I said, okay, you're stressing, Patrick. You need some time off. But I, said, I need to get a show out to you guys as well. At least one to let you know what's going on before I make any huge changes and leave you hanging. And I realized that I fucked up these files that I just recorded with the boys after the other two events that happened today. I found out that the woman upstairs, this older woman who lives alone in a fourth floor walk-up, had passed away from the virus. For the past month or so, I've been bringing her her lunches and her dinners from that free meal service that the city is giving out that I'm also taking part of. And because um, she can't... I, I went out to get my lunch and her lunch, and I came back and knocked on the door, and her, she wasn't there. And the neighbor told me that she got sick last night, and she was gone by dawn this morning. And that's really sad, but I have this nagging fear now. Like, what if, what, did I give it to her? I've been in contact with her every day. Was it me that passed it on through those lunch bags somehow? I don't know. I'm scheduled to get a test now, but it's not for another week. And I have to go all the way to the other side of Queens, and I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'll get there. There's a lot of question marks there. And on top of all, all, Larry Kramer died. Larry fucking Kramer died. If you don't know who Larry Kramer is, Larry Kramer has been the voice of gay life, queer life, in the AIDS era. He is, was an activist. He was a playwright. He wrote The Normal Heart that they made the movie out of. He was a bully. He was a hero. He was a villain. He was adored. And he was hated. Because in the 80s, much like today, when the people were dying by the thousands and nobody in the government cared, nobody in the government even acknowledged it, Larry Kramer stood up and said, Hey, fuck off. We're here, and we're not going to go away until you fucking do something. And he did not play nice. He didn't care about hurting people's feelings. He didn't care about stepping on people's toes. He didn't care what anybody thought about him. He just wanted to get help for his community. And he founded Gay Men's Health Crisis. He founded all different sorts of AIDS organizations. He has been fighting for 40 fucking years. Tooth and nail. And he's been riddled with cancer for quite some time. This bitter, brittle withered old man who still had all this fucking fire in him. I got to meet him once and he was terrifying, but just imposing still, even this, you know, shriveled form of an old man, but he's gone. He survived the plague to die in another one. I, don't, I actually don't know if he died of the virus or not, but he died during them. You know, got us through one period of plague and left us in this one. And 
I'm not exaggerating when I say I and a lot of other people would not be alive right now without him. I would not be here without GMHC. And just to know that that fire has gone out is just... <sighs> it's a deep hurt. It's a deep hurt. And one of the reasons putting out this show is so difficult is because it requires me to be on social media. A long time ago when this all first started, I said, try to avoid social media as much as possible, living your time on it, because it's going to drive you crazy. Unfortunately, when you have to produce and market and research a, part, a podcast, you're going to be on the internet, and you're going to get notices that somebody sent you a message, and you'll check that message, and you just happen to catch a headline you know, that, that strikes your interest for whatever reason. The next thing you know, it's four hours later, and you're furious, tearing your own hair out, and I didn't follow my own advice. Well, I found that it was impossible to follow my own advice and get to show it to you. And it's been a conflict for weeks now. I keep putting things off and putting things off and half-assing. And I, it, it's not healthy for me right now. I got to get my head together. And I hate to be doing this during Pride Month. About, I mean, when Pride Month's about to start, like the gay podcaster might disappear. Yeah, I think I might disappear for a bit. I haven't made any decisions yet. I am going to be speaking with a counselor. Tomorrow, I'm um, starting up sessions just because I can't do this on my own. I know damn well to not listen to my stubborn Taurus, my stubborn Taurus brain when I get like this. I can handle it. You're a man. No, 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 no. You're a human being, and this is extraordinary, unprecedented times, and you need a little help. You've got nobody to talk to all day long. You need to talk to somebody. And not somebody on social media. And not somebody on a Zoom call. Yeah, they're great and everything, but it's not the same. I need to talk to somebody who can talk me down off the goddamn ledge. Not that I'm going to be... No. <sighs> Let me take that back. I'm not suicidal. I'm just not coping very well. And I need to get my head back in order. And there is no shame in asking for help. Ever. Especially at a time like this. And before we wrap up, I'm going to take a page from the Larry Kramer handbook. Because I said, Larry Kramer gave no fucks. Kramer gave a fuck about his community and making sure that it survived. And if you're in his way, fuck you. He was going to go tooth and nail, hit below the belt, and do what he needed to do to get through. And I need to get this off my chest right now. The thing that keeps sucking me in on social media is all the stuff with the anti-maskers. All these reports of people doing horrible things, going to these outrageous lengths to not wear a mask during this insane time. The thing that you do is a courtesy to somebody else to not infect them in case you're, you know, a carrier. This simple little sacrifice that people are unable to do. And I keep scrolling through this shit and it keeps getting me angrier and angrier. And I just bit my tongue and that's why I'm lisping right now. That's why I'm doing, going over my asses. But I got to keep talking because I got to get this out and I'm not stopping. Here's the thing. I don't give a fuck who I insult right now. If you're an anti-masker, tough fucking shit. Listen up, patriot. My parents grew up in the Depression and lived through World War II. And I am well acquainted with all the stories. That they told, and my uncles told, and my other relatives. I've heard these stories over and over and over of how people had to sacrifice all the time to get through. During the Depression, my grandmother, who I never got to meet, even though they had nothing. Both of my grandparents on that side were Irish immigrants. They came over here with nothing. My grandfather was a truck driver. She was a housewife. 
doing you know, people's laundry on their side. They had nothing. Still, if she encountered someone down on the luck, on the street, during the Depression, who needed a meal, she would invite them to the family home to sit down on the table, at the table, and have dinner with them, even though they had nothing. They all went a little bit hungry to help somebody else. And during World War II, government order throughout the United States, throughout Canada, in the UK, probably other parts of the world as well. I'm not sure, but these are the ones that I know were doing it. Things were rationed. Food was rationed. You had to give up your food to help the men and women overseas. You can only have so much milk. You can only have so much meat. You can only have so much eggs. You can have only so much bread. And people sacrificed that willingly. And people were going hungry. If you listen to these old-time radio shows, every other ad, it's either for wine or it's for ironized yeast tablets. What are ionized yeast tablets for? They're to help with the iron deficiencies that you get from not eating enough red meat during rationing. Were people crying about it? No. Because it was for a greater good. Sometimes there would be orders would come down to sacrifice everyday items in your house. That might be luxury items. They might need aluminum or tin or steel. So you might have to give up all your pots and pans to donate to the cause. To help the men and women overseas. Fight the battle for the greater good. And they did it without hesitation, without complaining. They did without. They sacrificed, and they did it joyfully. And they were proud of it. Bake sales were done. People going door-to-door collecting for the war effort. All the time. It was just a regular part of life. Granted, there was a different kind of leadership at the time that we clearly do not have now. But the fact that these people did all this stuff, joyfully, willfully, without complaining, for the greater good, which eventually they were rewarded for when evil was put down throughout the world, And prosperity happened throughout the land under good leadership. You can't put on a fucking mask without complaining and you call yourself a patriot, you selfish son of a bitch. How dare you? How dare you? You're an embarrassment. Did I offend you? I don't really fucking care because this might be my last fucking show. I don't know. I really don't know. But what I do know is that I'm not going to be good to anybody else until I get my shit together. It's that whole airplane rule. You know, you can't put on... You know, you know, always put on your oxygen mask first before you help the person next to you or your child that you're with because you're no good to anybody until you are in a safe and secure position. And I am not there right now. And you know what? I'm not there because of you, you fucking selfish son of a bitch. So you know what? If you have your hate mail, by all means, bring it on. Crew at ScreamQueens.com, and that's Queens with a Z. Feel free to find me on Facebook. That's Scream Queens. Hard po- uh, Scream Queens or Hard Gets Gay? Tweet me on Twitter. Why not? At Scream Queens or on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. Bring it on. I'm not afraid of you. And to all the rest of my screamers out there who are playing by the rules and helping keep your family and your community safe, no matter what happens with the show or anything else going forward, just, just stick, to, stick to the plan. You know the plan. You know the rules to survive this thing. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel. Stay the fuck home. Wash your fucking hands and wear a fucking mask. And don't forget how much I love you. And just know that how, no matter how long it takes for me to get my head back in place, I will be back. And until then, please stay fucking fabulous. Hold it. Stop the presses. Okay, I can't leave you like that because it is now 
hmm, 18 hours later from when I finished recording. And I just want to let you know, I did a late night session with an online therapist and I am feeling world's better. I had the best night's sleep that I've had in weeks, being able to get all this anger and rage and confusion and, and frustration out that I've been bottling up for how many days? 75 at this point. That much said, I don't take back anything that I said. I was angry and I meant it. And I still mean it. And like I said in the episode, I said that I was going to you know, try to keep everything light. And I also said, it, I don't want to tell you guys lies either or paint a fake picture of what goes on here ever. And I try to keep the show as real as possible. So I just want to let you know that right now I'm doing better. But all of that I meant. And I'm going to be talking to this guy a couple more times. I haven't decided if I'm going to be taking some time off yet. We might be making a compromise that since I do enjoy doing the guest sessions because it's socializing, that I might spend the next couple of weeks recording those parts of the episodes in advance and not doing this other stuff that requires me to be on the internet in a different kind of way that stresses me out. So we'll see. Just want to let you know I'm doing a million times better. So don't you, don't worry about me. I'm going to be cool. You're going to be cool. You know what? You're already. Until next time, keep it cool. I'll be back, like I said earlier, but now I'm happy. I'm saying happy. I'm just saying, okay, Patrick, just sign off. You said you're going, you're going. Okay, I'm going. Fine, Flam, take it away. All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches!